pulpit down here. Because I want to give you some instruction tonight. It's going to be a little bit different. I'm, gonna, I'm probably going to teach more than I'm going to preach tonight. I want us to understand something tonight. There's something different about someone who is a carrier of the anointing and someone who professes to be anointed. Don't worry about that scripture I gave you. I'm not even I'm not even going to mess with that scripture right now. I'm going to bring this to you the only way I know how and the way the Lord's given it to me. The anointing oil is a representation of the anointing. We know that our church and many other churches uses the anointing oil when someone gets prayed for or something. We 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 put anointing oil on them. Uh, anointing simply means to smear oil upon. That's the literal definition of anointing: is to rub it in, to, to smear the oil upon that. I'm not going to read it all, but if you go to Exodus chapter 30, and some of you you may you can go there and read it later at some point in time. But God gives some very explicit instruction to Moses. Now, most of us know that back in that time, Moses was the one that God gave instruction to to build the Holy of Holies, to build the temple for the ark. He built the outer courts and the inner courts, and he built all that. God gave him very explicit instructions, even, even down to the detail of how tall, how wide, everything. But here's what I want us to see tonight. It's something completely different is that in Exodus chapter 30, starting in, verses, in verse 22, verses 22 to verse 33, God is very, very descriptive in choosing out the ingredients for the anointing oil. He chooses these ingredients, and he sets everything apart, and, and, and what he does is he, he creates a, an, an enormous amount of anointing oil. I was talking to the, to the group in the back, and I kind of laid this foundation for them, and this is what this is, is a foundation. And as, as they created the anointing oil, this is what God said. He told him, I believe it's somewhere around uh, verses 20, 28 or so. Let me, let me just get there. And he says, he talk about the oil. He says, with it you shall anoint the tabernacle of, me, of the meeting and the ark of the testimony, the table and all its utensils, the lamp stand and its utensils, and the altar of incense, the altar of burnt offering with all of its utensils, and the laver and its base. You shall consecrate them that they may be most holy. Whatever touches them must be holy. And you shall anoint Aaron and his sons, and consecrate them, that they may minister to me as priest, Aaron being the high priest at the time. This is what God's telling Moses is to anoint. Now, I want us to understand some things. There are, there are three very specific things about, about the oil that, 
God told Moses to create. Number one, there's a lot. If you look at the ingredients and how much he, t he told Moses to get, there was a lot. There were barrels upon barrels upon barrels of the, of the anointing oil. I, I, I don't know how long Moses spent in the tabernacle anointing, but he spent much time in prayer and supplication with this oil. And he poured and he prayed and he poured and he prayed. And he poured, and he prayed, and he continued to do this. There was a lot. Number two, it was expensive. All of these ingredients were not cheap. It was expensive. There's something about the, the anointing that, is, that costs something in us today. When we have the anointing upon our lives today, I, now the oil is just uh, representation. I'm talking, what I want us to understand tonight is that there is anointing that we must carry in our lives tonight. There is something that is, that's got to be different about us. We can't go about our daily lives living uh, every day, Monday through, Monday through Saturday, because Sunday we know we come into the house of the Lord and we expect the anointing to be there. But if it's, if it's not just there on Sunday, it's got to be there Monday. And it's got to be there Tuesday. And it's got to be there Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. Every day of the week when we wake up and we set our two feet on, on the floor and we, we put our clothes on and we get ready for the day, there has got to be an anointing that we carry. We can't just go out and live our lives and try to do it on our own. But there has got to be an anointing. Now, the Old Testament anointing, it, uh, is representative is, is a representative of the Holy Ghost today. You see, we've got to be anointed by the Holy Ghost. The power of the Holy Ghost has to be living in us. Number three, it carried a very powerful aroma. Now understand this. No doubt that when, I don't know about you, but I, I, I imagine things. I imagine things in such a way that, that my, my mind just goes off and, and just starts imagining things when I read the word. And no doubt when Aaron, the high priest, walked in, he was anointed by Moses. But no doubt when he walked into the Holy of Holies and he spent time in the Holy of Holies to atone for the sins of the others. There was no doubt in my mind that when he came outside of the Holy of Holies, that there was an aroma that was attached to him. You see, there was a very sweet-smelling, savor-smelling aroma that came with the anointing oil that Moses made. It was a strong smell. You know, anybody had a, had, had a, a smell that when you walked into a building that you carried that smell outside with, the, with you? I mean, if you go into a house where somebody smokes cigarettes, you walk out smelling like it. It's an aroma that facets to you. I believe without a shadow of a doubt that when the anointing of God gets on you, it becomes an aroma that carries with you. And I'm going to tell you what, when we, get, when we get so much into that anointing and we carry it out into this world, when you go into your job, I guarantee you that people even of carnal mind are going to be able to tell that you are anointed anointed by God. Why? Because they can smell the spiritual aroma that's coming off of that anointing. There are, there, when we get so saturated with the anointing of God, it's amazing. Pastor Matt Smith preached a word at camp about the anointing, and he, and he used Psalms 133. I, I never put the two together, but Psalms 133 is talking about Exodus chapter 30. 
It's talking about the anointing oil. It's talking about the oil running down Aaron's beard of being anointed by Moses. I, I never put the two and two together until I read. I was reading it for this message. But it's so, it's so amazing about the about the anointing. But Pastor Matt was preaching on on that. Uh, I believe it was uh, Thursday uh, Thursday morning. What Thursday wasn't it? And and what an illustration. You know, I, I was I was praying to God and just kind of asking Him what He would have me to do. I didn't want to redo His illustration because it's His illustration. But I kind of want to give just a little bit of light to the illustration that he did. He began talking about the, 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 the dew, you know, that fell on, Mount, on, on, on the Mount of Zion. Talking about how, how the dew was there. And Anybody ever walked in dew? What happens? If you walk, say, say you walk through a field in dew, and then all of a sudden you turn around and, and you look, what do you see? You see your footprints. And you see what Matt did that day, it was, it was amazing what he did. He brought out some buckets of water, and he started with himself, and he, he just grabbed a bottle of water, and he began to pour it all over himself. And you know, when, when, the, when you start to pour over oil on you, it starts to get on your clothes, and you can start to see the wetness on your clothes and all that. But guess what happens? Clothes dry. And the anointing kind of go, kind of, kind of withers away a little bit. You know, that kind of goes away. But there's something special that happens when you begin to dip your feet in the anointing, when he becomes saturated in the anointing. And what he did was he took off his, his, his shoes and he had his socks on. And he walked over and he dipped his foot in the bucket. And he dipped both feet in and he began to walk. And in the carpet, everywhere he walked was footsteps. There's something about when we get saturated in the anointing of God that wherever we go, that the anointing follows us. The anointing begins to, to put its mark. It begins to put its footprint it begins to put its handprint its thumbprint on wherever we go and whatever we touch brother eddie when you go into that factory and you're saturated with the anointing of god when you begin to walk up and down the hallways in between the machines uh, brother tim when you walk into that place and you go in and you start to walk amongst the people that you that you work with when you are saturated with the anointing there is something that perks up the attention of the unbeliever because why it is a supernatural thing and they begin to see the anointing power that is on that is on us uh, kids right now I'm, I'm telling you when you come to church and you get filled up and you start to get the anointing of god and you walk into the high the, the high school and you walk into your middle school and you begin to walk up and down the hallways there are children that are looking for the something they're looking for the anointing of god why because it's different it's not of this world it's something that's trying to attract and to draw them in is i'm talking about the anointing of god tonight church we've got to have the anointing of god we've got to have something different about us we don't have to be the same old status quo but we need to be a different people we need to walk in a different light and have something that is special about us and what is that something special it's the anointing of god what does the anointing do? The anointing makes us holy. The anointing makes covenant with us. The anointing releases us to minister to others. The anointing sanctifies. The anointing is, is not to be taken lightly. The, the anointing breaks bondages. I'm here to tell you that everywhere we walk around, there's bondages. And there's things that are binding people up. But when you carry the anointing and you walk into the room, bondages must obey the anointing of God. Because you see, if you read your Bible correctly, the man of God, the, the high priest, couldn't have any, any sin in his life or he would be killed. That's the anointing. 
And the anointing is carried just like that on us today. We have to be a holy and set apart, sanctified. We have to carry it. Now, I want to talk about, about the anointing for a little bit. I want to talk about five things about the anointing. Number one, the anointing must be real. The, I'm going to say it again. The anointing must be real. There are far too many people, there are far too many churches, and there are far too many pastors and ministers who are standing behind the pulpit declaring the anointing of the Lord, and they are, they are showing a form of godliness without the power thereof. And let me tell you, we have come into a society, we have come into a time where, where it is run rampant in our, in our day, and that people are talking about the anointing of God, and they really don't have the anointing. We've got to get back to knowing about the power of the Holy Ghost, and knowing about the anointing of God. It's not so much that we need to speak that we're anointed from the pulpit, but what we need to do is we need to live out the anointing. It's not about saying it, but it's about living it. It's about, it's about doing what is necessary. It needs to be real. People of this generation are looking for something. They're searching. They're trying to find something different. They've tried everything. They've tried alcohol. They've tried drugs. They've tried, tried doing a, each and every different program they could find to find something that is real. But the only thing I know of tonight that, we, that they will ever find that is real is Jesus. And if they can find Jesus and find the anointing, they're going to have to find it through us. And in order for us to allow them to find Jesus, we're going to have to be anointed. When we get ready to go out on July 29th and we walk into the people's yards, I'm telling you, I think I, I, I'm going to carry some anointing oil with me. Why? Because it may just be symbolic and that's fine you know but but we got to anoint some places we've got to we've got to anoint the way before us you know we've got to have the anointing of God without the the anointing of God we are nothing if I'm standing behind this pulpit and I'm trying to preach a word and I don't have the you I'm telling you what before church when we started the music to pray I come up here and I grab some oil and I begin to anoint myself why because it's not me it's the anointing of God going before me People of this world are tired of shenanigans. There are too many shenanigans standing behind this sacred desk in today's society. We've got too many preachers that are standing behind the pulpit and they're trying to pull shenanigans. All they're saying is, is it's going to be all right no matter what you do. Grace is going to cover it. I'm come by to tell you tonight that that is not true. That if, you're, if you've got sin in your life, you are going to die and go to hell. But if you, uh, you just need to, you need to shake that off and you need, to, you need to make yourself right, we have got to be a right nation. We can't be a wrong nation. But too many people are trying to say that they're anointed and given that, given that, that, that wrong prophecy from the pulpit today. They're tired of shenanigans. They're tired of people being calling themselves godly and not being it. They're, they're tired of going to churches and their pastor standing in the pulpit preaching on Sunday morning and then, and, and then on Monday morning he's going out and he's opening up that can of beer. They're tired of that because guess what? That's actually happening in our pulpits. They're tired of seeing people who are calling themselves pastors and preachers, ministers of the gospel, and they're going home to their same-sex partner. I'm telling you, it's happening in today's society and people are getting tired. Why? Because we are in the last days and the Bible says that in the last days there's going to be a falling away but also there's going to be 
be a powerful movement. And I'm telling you, we're in that movement. The Bible says that he's going to pour out his spirit upon all flesh. And I, and I, want, us, I want him to pour his spirit upon, uh, out upon us. But people are searching for something that is real. The anointing has got to be real. It's got to be something powerful that's in our lives. We have to be a carrier of the anointing. Not just, not just hold it in a bucket, but we've got we to be a carrier. It, you know, we can't carry it in our hand. It's got to be in us and through us, saturating us. Secondly, it's got to be rich. I'm not talking about money. Now, we all know that when Mary broke open the alabaster box on Jesus, that, that that was worth a lot of money. And we know that when Moses made the anointing, that was worth a lot of money. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the richness of the anointing. I'm talking about the anointing that is, that is so thick and powerful. I want you to understand something. There's too many people trying to make things happen. There are too many ministers and people in our churches that are trying to make things happen. I'm, I'm a people watcher. And when I watch people who pray, I, I've been to all kinds of places. And there, there, was, there was one church in Virginia that I went to when I was in, in the Navy. I was about 20, 21 years old. And there was a church that I went to. And, and every time the preacher would get up and preach and then he would go and, and pray for people, he would literally shove them as far as he could. Now, I don't know. I, I'm not trying to say that that's wrong or whatever. What I'm saying is, is we've got to know what the anointing is capable of. We have to know that, the, that, that it's not about us. You see, with, with the anointing, we don't even have to lay hands on people. You can come up to this, to this place right here because the anointing is flowing, and I don't even have to lay a hand on you. All you have to do is raise your hands to heaven, begin to pray. I can begin to pray for you, and if the anointing is strong enough in me, there's going to be a connection from my heart to your heart. And when there's a connection from my heart to your heart, that anointing is going to take effect. It's going to move off of me into you. I don't have to put my hand, slap you. I don't have to push you down. I don't have to move you in and out, all around or about, but it's the anointing that does the work. It's not about our hands. It's not about our feet. It's not about our body, but it's about the anointing and the power of the Holy Ghost. You see, on that, in that, on that day in the upper room, people weren't in there laying hands on each other for them to get filled with the Holy Ghost. My Bible says that there was a sound of a rushing mighty wind that came in there and power set upon them and then clothes of fire set upon them and tongues began to come out. It didn't take somebody laying their hand on each other, but what it took is being in, unified all in one mind and one accord and the anointing began to flow. We've got to stop trying to make it happen. If it ain't going on, it's because there's something going on in the people, in the congregation, or the pastor himself. You see, because it starts from the head down. If I don't sanctify myself, if I don't get myself in my prayer closet and ask God to sanctify me and to put the anointing in me, then it's not going to go forth into the congregation. But if we do it the right way and I get on my hands and my knees and I get into my word and when I ask God to give me a word for this, for this congregation and he begins to put the anointing seal on the word of God and he begins to put it into my heart and I begin to put it down on paper with my, you see it's not just me writing, it's not just my mind moving, but it is the anointing power of the Holy Ghost who has given me the words to write down and I'm telling you when it starts with me then it moves out into the congregation and as it moves to the congregation the anointing begins to fall on each and every person to hear the word of the Lord and when we hear the word of the Lord and we stand up and we allow the anointing to fall that's when things begin to happen it's not man made things it's God making things hallelujah 
We don't have to force people to the altar when the anointing is flowing. We don't have to push, pull, or prod when the anointing is flowing because God is the drawer. The rich anointing will cause people to have a desire to move on their own. Thirdly, the anointing has to be released. Listen to me. You cannot be a hoarder of the anointing. You cannot be a hoarder of the anointing. The book of Ezekiel says that if you keep the anointing, it becomes like a swamp, smelly and useless. Anybody ever watch the show Hoarders? What happens when you go into a home where all they've done is kept things piled up and they've never gone and they've never removed it or they've, they've, never, they've never done anything with it? It becomes ugly. It becomes nasty. It becomes full of dust, full of dirt, full of grime. It begins to smell funny. It, and then, then all of a sudden you look into this room and, and, and it's, it's big enough room like this and all of a sudden you have one little path to walk in and every bit of that stuff that is in there becomes what? Useless. You cannot be a hoarder of the anointing. The anointing was not created just for just to lay dormant in your body. But when we are become anointed by, if I were to allow the anointing to become dormant, I wouldn't preach. I would just read the word and just allow God to minister to me. But you know what? It doesn't. It doesn't work that way. God called me into the ministry to get rid of what he has given me, to preach the word of the Lord. And when I preach the word of the Lord, I'm releasing the anointing. I'm letting the anointing go. You see, when Mary poured out the anointing oil, this was half a year's wages. This, this was a fragrant anointing oil. When she went in to, give it to, Je- to pour it on Jesus, she didn't hoard on to that. She could have just went in. I think Jesus would have been satisfied if she just went in and she had just dipped a little bit and poured it on him and did it that way. But that's what, that wasn't what it was about. You see, she felt something on the inside of her that there was a necessity for her to pour out that anointing. There is a necessity for us today to pour out the anointing that God has given us. It's, we don't need to hold on to it. You know, too, too many churches hold on to the anointing within their four walls, and they don't worry about people on the outside of the four walls unless they come walking in. But it's not about that. We've got to get outside, and we're getting ready to do that, get outside the four walls. And we've got to go and start talking to people and release the anointing into them. How do we do that? We start talking to them about Jesus. We give, we give them what God has given us and allowing that anointing to flow. We can't be hoarders of the anointing. We have to release it. Fourthly, it's got to be received. It has to be received. Now, I like presents. I like Christmas time. I get to open things. They're new, they're fun, they're, 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 they weren't mine before. I love to receive. I love to give as much as I love to receive. But here's the thing. There are, we, we find a whole generation who is scared to receive the anointing. Listen, listen carefully. We have an entire generation of millennials right now who are absolutely, completely enthralled and scared to receive the anointing. Why? Because it means they might have 
to do something. They might have to do. Now, I'm not talking about this church. We, we know we have a great youth group and they're willing to be used of God. But we have a group of, of, of people today, and I, I don't know exactly where the millennials start. It's, it's up in the 20s somewhere. But there is a generation of millennials who are, who are just so in a mode where they, where they are afraid to allow the anointing to come upon them. Because that means, number one, they're going to have to make sure that their lifestyle is right. They're going to have to make sure that they are living a, a right life and not doing things that they're not supposed to be doing. But there's all kinds of things going on. It's got to be received. You have to be willing to receive the anointing to be able to use the anointing. And fifthly, it's got to be renewed. I was going to, before I go on, I was going to do something tonight. I, I wasn't for sure how exactly to do it, but, you know, we don't know who's a carrier of the anointing. I was going to bring some old, dirty clothes. And before, the, before my message tonight, I was going to go slip into them and, and preach the message in old, dirty clothes. I was going to mess my hair up. Maybe pour some, put some dirt on me. But you know what? And the reason why I was going to do that, I, I, want you to, I want you to listen closely. Too often times we associate the anointing with the man standing in the pulpit with a suit. Too often times we associate the anointing with the worship team who is standing up there and they all look very wonderful and pleasant, dressed to impress. And listen, listen carefully. Sometimes we don't know who carries the anointing. Sometimes we could, we could, the beggar down the street could have so much of Jesus that they're an anointing carrier. We have to be careful what we see with our own eyes and the anointing, but it's got to be renewed. You see, when, when, when God pours into us the anointing and we pour out the anointing, then all of a sudden we become empty. And we have to renew the anointing. We need to be carriers of the anointing tonight. Just like anything else, when you pour out and pour out, you end up dry and needing more. Just, just like what Matt Smith did. He poured it all over his head, but within, within 10 to 15 minutes, it was gone. You could no longer see the remnants of the anointing. So you have to reapply the anointing. What does that mean? That means you have to reapply the, the, your, play, your prayer closet. You have to continue being in a mode of worship. You've got to allow God to keep pouring into you. It's not just a one-time happenstance, but it's a, it's, a multi, uh, it's a multiplier. You know, if I were just to allow God to anoint me one time for one message, then I would never have another message to preach. But it's because I stay in tune with Him. It's because I stay in my prayer closet. It's because I stay in times of worship with Him. I stay in my Word. I stay in study and and it's because of that that God renews the anointing in me day after day after day after day and we've got to come to a point in today's society that we've got to be renewed on a daily basis we've got to wake up in the morning put our two feet firmly on the ground and say today God I need your anointing more than I needed it yesterday I poured it out yesterday I need you to pour it into me again why do you think we come into the house of God we come into worship and as we worship God's pouring his anointing out upon us we need the anointing I don't know who's going to come to the piano but somebody come here's how, here's how I'm going to end this when we're anointed 
I, I want to read my text. I had a text. Psalm chapter 92. Starting verse 10, it says, But my horn you have exalted like a wild ox. I have been anointed with fresh oil. Let's go down to verse 12. It says, The righteous shall flourish like a palm tree. He shall grow like a cedar in Lebanon. I like what 13 through 15 says. It says, Those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. They shall still bear fruit in old age, mean, meaning age does not matter when it comes to the anointing. Sometimes our older people in the church thinks that because they are old, that the anointing does not apply to them anymore. Well, my Bible right here in Psalms chapter 92 says otherwise, that they shall still bear fruit at an older age. It also says they shall be fresh and flourishing. Anointing is fresh every time the anointing is not the same every time the anointing i have to preach this message is going to be different than the anointing that i've got for wednesday night and that's going to be different from the anointing that i'm going to have on sunday morning worship team when you get up there to sing those songs the anointing that you have for the first song is not going to be the same anointing that you've got for the third song i'm telling you the anointing is new and fresh every time To declare that the Lord is upright. He is my rock and there is no unrighteousness in him. With the anointing we see result. We see result. What does the anointing allow you results of? Recognizing and defeating our enemies. Each and every day we're faced with a new enemy. Something that the enemy wants to attack us with anew and afresh. But because we are anointed by God, we are able to recognize that and defeat that. Because of the anointing, we flourish. We just read that, Psalms 92. We, we flourish. We live this life greatly. We flourish. We become planted with purpose. The anointing will show you God's will and His purpose for your life. Age has no boundaries. It doesn't matter how young you are or how old you are. We see in the Bible when Samuel went to anoint David, he was about 12 years old, 12 to 14, if you study it out. It doesn't say an exact age, but he was somewhere in between 12 and 14, a young person. Many of you young sitting right here, but right around that age, doesn't matter. You could be anointed just as powerful as David was. Age has no boundaries. And the last thing is that God be glorified through the anointing. Because you see, when we're anointed, God uses our anointing to win the lost. That's what it's all about, church. I, I can stand up here and preach to you all day long. And that's great and fine. But when there's someone in the house that doesn't know the Lord, the anointing is going to point 
them out. And it's going to go straight to them and begin to draw them in. Why? Because that's what the anointing does. It glorifies God through salvation of the saints. Would you stand with me?